Hello, I'm Kristen McDonald, and thanks so much for tuning in to Second Vision. My guest today is Neil Grace, author of Fresh Eyes Upon the World, Making Life a Spectacular Journey. Neil has done that and much more. He has gone from being a global traveler to being a psychic healer to becoming a millionaire. He has also led personal growth workshops and published over 2,500 poems, 15 books, and two opera librettos. His new book, Fresh Eyes Upon the World, offers a profound look at personal transformation, and he is here to share his wisdom with us today. Good morning, Neil. Good morning, Kristen. Thank you very much for having me on the show. I really appreciate it. It is our pleasure, and I am so delighted that you're with us and just fascinated by your journey. I mean, please tell us about the book and what led you to to writing it. Well, what led me to writing the book is basically one, one simple thing. I see the world as a magical, almost mythological fantasy world. I see life as a miracle. I see that all of us are just a guest in the sacred house of life. And at the same time, and studying history and studying the world and traveling globally and all of my explorations and experiences, I see a lot of discord in the world. I see a lot of dissonance and conflict and uh, degrading and factions and divisions and hostility. I can go on and on. We need to rebuild and reframe who we are individually and as a species. So I wrote the book with some very definitive, very specific solutions, insights into why these things occur, and solutions what we can do individually to improve the world qualitatively, to bring back humanitarian values, to bring back a sense of love, to bring back a platform or a foundation of spirituality so that we have not only just an immunity to all of the discord in the world, but that we can actually transform the world with almost a resurrection of our souls, uh, an opportunity to seize a new path or a new way of life that can bring us into the light, metaphorically speaking, with a new vision, a vision internally, that we can see the world as it should be seen with love and grace and dignity and elegance. So I wrote this book primarily to help others remind them of how precious and how beautiful they are and how they can be empowered and illuminated by their own self-awakening. Wow, that's beautiful. I mean, talk about a, a true second vision. You have really lived it. You know, I I, uh, I see that your book is broken down into four different segments. Do you want to tell the readers what they are? Yes. Uh, the segments are the, um, the first one is about personal transformation, it's about uh, self-empowerment and relationships because relationships are so vital in our lives, how we relate to ourselves, how we relate to each other, the self-esteem and the confidence we have, some of the issues that we have. I think those things are extremely, extremely important. And the next uh, section of the book is uh, hotly debated issues. This can be controversial, but I want to really delve into things that are we have different opinions about. I realize that everything is subjective. We have different perspectives as individuals, but it's important to look at these topics that are, that are controversial and to get a better understanding of how you relate to them. The third section is about the world and nature. 
And the next section is spirituality and philosophy. What is the meaning to life? What is our purpose? What is God? What is death? You know, these are things, how do we know we have found enlightenment? Um, how do we become more spiritual and access the divine? You know, things like that are very relevant. These questions are apropos to almost everyone alive in the world today. And well, more and than it's... Ever, I'm sorry. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I said more than ever, we need a powerful, absolutely riveting change in our lives to resolve and dissolve some of the issues that don't really serve us. And that is absolutely paramount as to what we can do and why we should do it because it is about life. We have to stop desecrating life and we have to start valuing it and honoring it and cherishing it. Everything is sacred. Even the challenges we have, they're all sacred opportunities to learn and to grow. And to react differently. You know, I saw in, you know, when I was reading about your background to say that you can see the most, you know, that, that 40% of Americans are more anxious this year than last with everything happening in the world. And I've noticed that myself. I just gave myself a news detox over Christmas, and I noticed how much happier I was. You know, I mean, it's not not to say that you shouldn't under, understand what's going on in the world every day, but sometimes, you know, to just get away and put your mind on other things, on music and reading and uh, the things that you love and enjoy, your your whole spirit's elevated. Absolutely, and that takes discipline. You have to work at, being, at uplifting yourself. You have to yes. be the steward, the caretaker of your own life. Because yes. uh, even though the fallacy is that most people think other people can help nurture and rescue them, other people have a, have a significant meaning for us in our lives, but really the ultimate essence of our joy is our responsibility. Definitely. And, and I love what you say about a purpose-driven life. You know, I speak about that in my own workshops, that it took me years to kind of evolve. Just sort of it, because of the eyesight, I found a new purpose. You know, uh, that that's another story in itself. But I'm saying well, I think we have to balance the physical, mental, spiritual, and emotional, and that's similar to what you're saying, you know, the way you've broken down your book into four four different segments, you know, finding our value and purpose in life. But, but let's start at the beginning. When did you do this journey? Where did you go? You went on a 9,000-mile journey. You wrote 2,500 poems. T tell us, elaborate a bit on that. Well, I lived a very unorthodox, very atypical life. I was kind of a maverick and a kind of a renegade as a young man. I didn't follow the traditional path, and I actually didn't work a full-time job until I was 32 years old. I spent most of my uh, – I did go to college and graduate at the University of Massachusetts, and I, um, I traveled. I hitchhiked all over North America, and then I really went on a long sojourn around the world to different countries, to India, Nepal, and Indonesia, and Russia, and many places. I wanted to see the world. I had an insatiable curiosity about life, and I wanted to learn through experiences. And at the same time traveling, I was very prolific as a writer. I loved, I loved writing. I loved music. I loved art. I loved all kinds of creative expressions. And I learned from these things, or I gleaned from these things, a sense of understanding about life, about nature. I spent a lot of time in nature, in the wilderness. I lived um, uh, in a tent for months uh, in various uh, remote locations. And I learned about life. I learned about, you know, people. And this gave me a, a sense of wisdom that I acquired throughout my experiences. 
and I did many things. I never was destitute, but I, I didn't put a lot of emphasis on material things. I had uh, odd jobs, a myriad of odd jobs, uh, so I could sustain myself. I never went hungry, and I was fascinated with the world, and I read uh, vociferously, vociferously, and I was completely enthralled with the world. I, I was so happy to to explore the world. But, Kristen, it wasn't all easy. It wasn't all, um, you know, just flowing harmoniously. I had a lot of challenges, a lot of struggles. I mean, life and you ended is, up in a psychiatric hospital, I understand, at one well, point. That was, yes, How did that happen? To, well, that's a long story unto itself. But um, I gained from that, and I was uh, released uh, pretty early after about a week. But it was fascinating to go through that to see the the inner struggles of other people, and I reflected upon myself. It was a very potent journey of uh, introspection. and I'm sure. It's very potent, and my whole life has been that way. And I do think no matter what we have, no matter what limitation we might have in ourselves emotionally, physically, energetically, that each of us contributes to the whole. Everyone can make a difference. Everyone has something to share and something to give. Now, we measure ourselves, unfortunately, uh, against maybe people that have great fame and great uh, uh, impact on the world, but every one of us, even a smile that we offer a stranger, has an impact. And that's all contributing to the improvements, the progress of life. It's all making the world a little bit better. That's what I want to do in all of my writings, is I want to offer people the reminder that they are catalysts and they are valuable and they are precious. They are unduplicated masterpieces created by the cosmos, created by nature. And every one of us has a purpose, has something that we can do to make this world more humanitarian, more holistic, more precious, that we can engage with each other in beautiful ways, that we don't have to have such violence and such mayhem and horrors that exist in the world. And I know this has been going on since day one of civilization, but I believe that we are at a pivotal moment in our history that we can make some changes and hopefully bring about a much more glorious, precious world. Oh, my goodness, that's so beautiful. And, and so were you ever afraid on your journey? You bet. I've gone tell, tell us, like, when you're, when you're walking the streets at night in Moscow, I've been just reading all these tidbits of, of you know, of what, you, what you experienced. Well, I did get very sick, unfortunately, in uh, the Kashmir in northern India. I drank uh, untreated water, but I didn't realize they were supposed Ouch. to boil it. And I got uh, amoebic dysentery. But um, uh, without going into all the details, I ended up, in Moscow, in Russia, in 1978, and it was a very totalitarian system at the time. The communists were extremely uh, uh, tyrannical, and I ended up in a Russian hospital that was an, uh, a, uh, a hospital for the military, so it had bars on the, uh, the windows, and I couldn't escape. And uh, long story oh, short, I did escape with the help goodness. of a nurse who spoke a little bit of English, a Russian nurse, and she uh, took a liking to me for some reason, and uh, she helped me escape. And we were we were at night in Moscow. Uh, at the time, uh, foreigners were watched all the time by the KGB, so we had to elude them 
and it was very harrowing. It was very scary, uh, but I managed eventually to get out uh, and get to the airport and get out of Russia, and I flew to uh, Istanbul, Turkey, and to continue my uh, journey, my exploration of life. But, yes, there are times, I mean, uh, many of us go through life and we try to, we try to avoid uh, unpleasant and negative things, which is understandable. But at the same time, some of our greatest teachers, some of the greatest catalysts in our lives can be the negative, the fearful, the challenging moments because we can tap into an inner reservoir of resources that we have within ourselves to manage and to cope and to heal those challenging times as you no, personally, I mean, everything is temporary and everything is in flux. Everything is changing. So we need to be really attuned to a deeper sense of who we are, knowing that we're part of the grandeur of existence. And some of the greatest gifts from come from our greatest adversity, as we all know. Yes. Absolutely. Not that we would plan it that way. So can you share with us a little bit about your poems and about some of your other books? I mean, I think you should write a fictional novel. It sounds like they should do a movie on your life. It's just, it's just <laughs> an unbelievable story. No, seriously. Oh, it, it is very, very unusual. <clears throat> my childhood was very unusual. My father was a vaudevillian comedian and had his own orchestra, and so I was put on the stage as a little boy at three and four ah, years old. Ah, that's where he got the performance gene. Oh, yeah, I performed at Grace Cathedral later on, actually in 2016. Yes. I love I loved musicals. I love the theater. I mm-hmm. mean, I love, I love everything. I love everything. Uh, I think life is just, a, just an incredible array of opportunities, and most people don't seize those opportunities. They, uh, they get bogged down by the mundane, which I understand there's a lot of pressure to survive. It's not easy to have a healthy and vibrant social life, uh, to be economically solid, to have a spiritual life, to have a, uh, a, a healthy life or a healthy existence with relatives and family. I mean, these things require tremendous capacity for all of us of uh, managing these rather disparate uh, components of our existence. It's not easy. However, I just want to say this one last thing that's very important. Joy is something you will never find on the outside unless you remove the filters of fear and insecurity and allow the joy to well up within you and let that emanate from you and that joy will become, will increase exponentially. Joy is an inside job. Happiness is an inside job. And when you really love yourself, not egotistically, not narcissistically, but when you love yourself, life becomes a glorious palette of colors. Well, that's the only time you can really love someone else or give to other people, because if you don't know what love is, you can't do anything with it. That's right. That's right. Yeah. So is your book written as a how-to book, or is it more of a, um, a story about your journey? Or Fresh Eyes Upon the World is more of a how-to. It's, it's 86 very specific relevant questions mm-hmm. with, uh, with very specific insights. I, I think I approach it with a, a little bit different vantage point than most people. And I say, you know, this is what we need to do. This is what we need to do as individuals. I try to shed light on situations that are somewhat gloomy and, and fearful for most people. And, and I have a, a positive spin 
regarding the the subjects because I think it's important. So many of us can easily identify with things and find fault with it, criticize it. We can easily, you know, renounce things. Let's see if we can look for the good. Let's see if we can look for the, the magic and the wonder and the mysticism and everything. And by doing so, I think that we really empower ourselves and we, we soar in the atmosphere of our own dreams. Beautiful. Beautiful. <laughs> Definitely. Can you give us an example or two on, on some of the topics in the book so, you know, the people who are thinking about buying your book would yes, benefit? They my, yeah, they can go to my website anytime to get to contact me, and I'll answer everyone's questions. Uh, neilgrace.com, N-E-A-L-G-R-A-C-E.com. And is the uh, book on audio? Uh, I don't think it, the publishers put it on audio yet, but uh, this is going to uh, give me the impetus to do that because I'll remind him simply because of many of your listeners, audio is such a beautiful thing too. I am, yes, I have, and I have a lot of podcasts, and I have a lot, I've done a lot of radio shows too that you can find. Um, great. But some of the some of the questions just on section one: What is the best way to heal loneliness? Why do people join cults and gangs? Gangs. How can I feel more alive? So let's take the first one. How do you you deal with loneliness? Well, I mean, that's the whole answer. I don't know if we have time to go into it. But um, uh, I guess to distill it down to its essence, healing loneliness, other people don't make us lonely. Other people neglecting us don't make us lonely, even though that might be a hurt. And, and evoke certain things in us that aren't pleasant. Loneliness is really how you identify yourself and your own self-esteem. We're all lo- alone in the world. We come in alone. We go. Al- we leave alone. We are alone. Other people can't make us feel like we belong. They can help and contribute. We have to take that responsibility ourselves. When you feel good about yourself. When you feel happy with who you are and by and the way in which you live, you're going to attract people who have like-minded values and viewpoints. So you need to take you need to purge the the loneliness out of yourself, not by expecting other people to save or rescue you, but by doing it on your own. Does that make sense? Yes, it completely makes sense, too, because you can't look for something to make you happy from another human being. You know, sometimes uh, I remember when I was younger, I was attracted to a certain type of person to date thinking, oh, they have that quality, you know. And then as you get older, you realize, well, gee, that quality is just something that, you know, you you could develop yourself or um, I'm not sure if that makes sense, but um, yes, in other words, you, yeah, you have to fulfill yourself with your own interests and needs first, and balance it, and then and then find like like-minded people. Definitely, that's right. Yeah, it's yeah. all about self-fulfillment. Yeah, and it's it's a journey and, and service that's to right. others. When you learn service to others, you're not lonely because you're giving that's to others. You give. Life is a complete giving and taking. You need to give of yourself. People say, well, I don't have anything to give. Everybody is creative. Everybody has a complete uh, network of, of uh, uh, tremendous talents and skills. We're all creative. We all have things we can give, even if it's listening to somebody. That's giving. That's a very beautiful giving uh, uh, exercise. 
There's so much to give, and by giving you receive. You receive the abundant coffers of the world. The world comes flying and floating into your soul, and then it fills you rapturously. Uh, without a doubt, without a doubt. I mean, my greatest, some of my greatest gifts have come not only my friendships, but my the feeling of joy from my volunteer work over the years, and and that was really prompted by my vision loss. Some of the other stru- uh, subjects are, um, you know, why do so many people struggle with work? How, why do people lie? What do we do about uh, all the violence in the world? Why can't nations fu- uh, coexist harmoniously? You know, what can be done to make the public schools a better educational institution? You know, there's so many questions. Uh, again, how can people show more compassion? What is the what is the meaning to life? When will humanity live in peace and joy? You know, specific things, but also very general things. With all the tumult around us, how can we have inner lasting peace? You know, these are excellent questions and topics, and of course, with great answers. Yes. And you know, uh, so, so the I book is basically a Q. Is it a Q and A sort of? You have all these questions, yes. and then yeah, yeah. yes, yes. That's, that's a very uh, and it's only clever way. Less than two, less than three pages. The answers mm-hmm. are very pithy, profound, concise, and. Uh, very clear. It's not abstract. It's not theoretical. It's very specific. You know, mm-hmm. what we can do, how do we hone in on this subject? What do we do? What do we do as an individual? What do we do with uh, that people reject me or, or, or people bully me? You know, what do you, what do, you do? Those, you know, what are your thoughts about gun control? Why is there hunger in the world? How can it be solved? Things that, you know, things that we do. Why, does, why do many people resist social changes that will benefit almost all of us? Why do people why not vote? I'm sorry, what's that? Why is that? Fear. Fear is a big number one enemy. Fear of change. Uh, many people are brainwashed. Many people are convinced that the status quo cannot be tampered with, that if you start uh, tampering with the status quo, you are inviting vulnerability, and vulnerability means you don't control your destiny anymore and you allow that fear to consume you. In other words, people resist social changes and beneficial changes because they are allowing themselves or succumbing to their own limited perspectives. There's so much fear behind most people, unfortunately. There's a lot of insecurity, and there's ways to deal with that insecurity. There's ways to handle and manage and, and heal that insecurity, but it takes, it takes a little bit of bravado. It takes some gumption. It takes some courage. You've got to be intrepid. You've got to be willing to embrace newness. Newness. You have to broaden your perspective. That's why there's so many, there's so much narrow-mindedness. Prejudice. All prejudice is just projected fear, fear of something they, don't, they can't control. And these things need to be dealt with. We need to confront these things because these things are anathema to the beauty of life itself. Hmm. Oh, so true. So true. So, so tell us, what made you become, how did you become a millionaire from going from traveling around the world selling things, poems out of your van and... Uh, books out of my van and different books things. Books out of your I van. Eventually, I eventually uh, got into the uh, conventional business world and I pursued uh, a, a career in, uh, in the architectural industry and the printing industry um, uh, and became a salesperson and did extremely well um, over 
30 years, I sold maybe $125 million worth of products. Um, so I was so able to... So you could sell ice to an Eskimo. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that. I try to be... By the way, I think humility is a very important thing. To, uh, as I you know, advocate and espouse uh, really self-empowerment, self-empowerment is also synonymous. Real self-empowerment, genuine self-empowerment is synonymous with humility. Humility is being grace grateful, being appreciative of everything, being waking up and being so thankful that you have a body that can even breathe. Gratitude you know, is everything. Things, everything. Listening to a beautiful uh, uh, symphony of Mozart. Any, anything you can experience, when you have humility, you're really aligning yourself with, with what I call the Lord of existence. You know, my mother was 93 when she passed just a few years ago, 93 and a half, and she was the most enthusiastic person I had ever met on the planet. When you would call her, I still have tapes of her voice that, it, you know, it oh. makes me cry with joy because she was so grateful. That's my point. At 93 and a half, she had not lost that sense of enthusiasm every single day to wake up and just be appreciative if you gave her, you know, a $5 bill. She'd rave on, and she's just so grateful, and oh, I'm glad she, she left me with that. Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. Enthusiasm for life. Enthusiasm is contagious. By it's the way, contagious. It is, and I want you to know this, because I am a tremendous um, promoter of joy and enthusiasm. I am also, and I want the listeners to really get this, I am not in any way, shape, or form in denial of the struggles of life. As a matter of fact, the more I'm aware of the struggles and the suffering and the grief and the misery and the sadness, the more I'm aware of that, the more joyful I become. I'm not ignoring those things, but I'm making sure that I am using my resources as a joyful, constructive, productive, progressive being to help alleviate those symptoms and help rearrange them so that they can be in more harmony with the beauty of the world. Well, I'm so glad you addressed that because we all have challenges, and the world has challenges, and that's why the oh self-help industry God. is so huge. And uh, so, you know, I'm, I'm really happy that you acknowledge that, you know, rather than just doing the, you know, the... Yeah, um, I, you don't wave, I don't wave a flag, I don't wave a banner and say, you know, uh, let's... Just uh, get up and be happy. happy. Everything is gorgeous and wonderful and perfect and sweet and... And saccharin, no. But here's something else that we have to remember about the difficulties in the world. They, we can't ignore them. We must not let them suffocate us, collapse us, or control us and imprison us in a dungeon of despair and depression and anxiety because that happens frequently in the world too. When you allow the, the, the misery of the world to engulf you, then you become a victim to it. Yes, instead of a victor. Right. You don't, you don't triumph. You become defeated. You become totally uh, dehumanized by the misery. And, you know, it's, it can happen. It's relatively easy because when you really look at these things, read about them or hear about them, you know, it's just pathetic. It's unspeakably pathetic. But you, if you let it just trample you, you will be... Squashed, and that's oh, absolutely. Good. That's what I said. Even sometimes we need to go on news detox. You know, Oprah says she doesn't oh, turn on the news yeah. past nine p.m. at night. She won't allow that into her world. 
So it's very important to know what's what's distressing us, things that we can't fix if we don't agree with them or they're giving us anxiety. And what you can do if you're really moved and motivated and, and, and you're compelled to do something, do something constructive to make it a better, to help it in some way, whatever it is, the smallest thing. Every little thing ripples out so it has a domino, a domino effect. Everything has an effect. So take a little step to make something better. Yes, and it always makes you feel good when you do something better, something for someone else, you know. And it's funny that you said that we're just a little, we're a guest here on the planet. My sister-in-law and I were just talking about that yesterday on the phone. That we're just a speck in the universe. We're just a little, little guest. So we have to remember that, you know, that we've been given this magic carpet ride and, and make the best of it. So, well said. And also remember that let's not be too presumptuous to think we know the mystery of existence and we know all the answers. Uh, human beings have a tendency to be very lofty in how they uh, interpret the nature of things. The nature of things is quite enigmatic. It's quite extraordinary. It is. It is. We have to realize every creature, every species alive, and there are, I think, 30 billion known species on the planet Earth, every one of them is a miracle. Remember that. Completely. Every one of them, and they just have, they, they live and operate in a different cadence, a different rhythm than we do, but they're all part of the world. We're all part of the mosaic of perfection. Yes, and it's all about the energy that you give out to other people, you know. So I wish we could go on forever, but unfortunately we're winding down on time, and I'd love our readers to know, uh, one, do you, is your book um, available as an e-book right now? You know, if one was visually impaired, could you get it as an e-book? Uh, I don't. Is the PDF converted to an ebook? I don't think so, but I will let the uh, publisher know that, my publisher, because it's really quite an inspirational book to read. It really will, will uh, yes. give people a uh, lot of wonderful joy and openness. Oh, definitely. And I, I read so many books now on audio. So it's, it's not just people who are visually impaired, though. You know, Audible is just a huge popular thing with uh, oh, people yes. on their way to work and, you know, to, to be able to read more. So. But so, so let's give our readers, our listeners rather, your website again. Uh, Neil Grace, N-E-A-L-G-R-A-C-E dot com. And your, the name of the book is Fresh Eyes Upon the World, Making Life a Spectacular Journey. So Neil, it's been an absolute pleasure today. We will send you a copy of the show. And uh, I wish you all the best. Um, I'd love to hear some of your poems. You know, maybe next time we'll have you on the show again. Oh, I and love I, that. I wish you, you so much success. success. Thank I you. I really appreciate you too, and I thank you so much for having me. It's been a wonderful pleasure. Absolutely. The Mutual Admiration Club, you have a blessed day, and thank you all for listening. And remember, it's all about purpose in life, you know, creating that second vision, a beautiful second vision. Have a blessed day. Thanks for listening. I'm Kristen McDonald. <laughs>